0: What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode, episode 40 of the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast, brought to you, as always, by your two favorite youth pastors, Kyle and Derek. Derek, how are we doing?
1: Now partners of Apple, we have received our first sponsorship after our last... No, we didn't. That nice <laughs> Oh, man, that would have been so cool.
0: Uh, still looking for sponsors for literally no reason at all. Uh, you know, we, Derek and I will be honest. Uh, we aren't doing this for the money. Uh, we're not doing our podcast for the money. If we were, we wouldn't be doing a youth ministry podcast. We wouldn't be doing youth ministry at all, <laughs> at all. Uh, if we were in it for the money, uh, but uh, our our heart for this podcast really is, uh, you know, we want to uh, equip, empower, uh, like we said last week, pass on all of the little knowledge that we have uh, to help make youth ministries better. Um, you know, on that note, before we dive into our quick question, you know, scheduling update, program announcement, we said this a couple of weeks ago, uh but season 1 of How Not to Be a Youth Pastor is coming to a close. Uh, we are going to take the summer off. Uh, we might, uh, Lord willing, drop an episode or two, uh, just kind of bonus episodes throughout the summer. Maybe live from camp after
1: we, I own you in Gaga Ball again in front of 400 teenagers. That is a big assumption
0: to think that I will ever be playing Gaga Ball again. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> but uh, we will uh, we will be picking it back up with season two. Uh, in the fall is uh, is our goal, so we're uh, we're excited for that. But we have just a few more episodes. Uh, as a matter of fact, if I look at the calendar
1: here, obviously I believe two weeks from t- when this releases, yes,
0: two weeks from today, uh, May twenty sixth, will be uh, the final episode of season one. But don't worry, you know that we'll be back for season two. Be. So we'll, we'll be ready with all the more controversy. Absolutely, every single episode just going to be ripe with controversy. Perfect. Uh, what I don't know how that's different from normal, but you know. Um, <laughs> uh, quick question of the day. So today's episode uh, is our rant against purity culture, part two. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, if you want to, you know, pause this and and go back and listen to. Uh, it was episode 33. Uh, we kind of gave our rant against purity culture, some of the things that we don't love about how the church has handled the conversation around love, sex, and dating over the last 20 years or so. Uh, go ahead, and listen to that episode, then come back to this one. Uh, but we're going to pick up, last episode was you know some of our problems with it. Now today we're going to talk about solutions. But before we dive into that, Derek, our quick question of the day, Uh, How did the youth ministry that you grew up in talk about love and sex and dating?
1: To be honest with you, I really don't remember a ton, which that might speak for itself. Uh, Now, uh, to be fair, that could have just been because you were a high schooler with no attention span. That's, I I mean, that is not just me being a high schooler. That's me being a dude in general. That's fair. I have a shorter attention span. I don't remember what I preached on three weeks ago. Like, let alone... Dude, I don't know what I had for dinner two nights ago. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. It's That's my, fair. My memory is terrible, but I do remember very insignificant things from a long time ago. But ministry and love and dating back when I was in high school, which is now almost a decade ago, which is crazy. Uh, I remember a few things. I remember I had two incredible youth pastors who were fantastic in every sense of the word. And while I don't remember a, a ton of actual things, I do remember a lot of very candid conversations uh, on a fishing boat, at a restaurant, uh, with my youth pastor. While we didn't talk about a ton from what I can recall about actually organized sex, dating, love in our, in our youth ministry, I had a lot of just honest conversations with my youth pastor about all of those things and about being a dude and the struggles that come along with guy specifics and not that it's any more or less than girls, but it is different. And, you know, it just, we've had so so many great conversations about that. And uh, it really did help me in a lot of ways. I love it. Uh, Yeah. My, my youth ministry,
0: I had a lot of different youth pastors shuffle in and out when I was in middle school and high school. Uh, But the one that was there for, or one of the ones that was there for a good chunk of time, uh, I remember very, this was a big topic uh, with our youth ministry at the time, and I have no idea why. Like the the question of should uh, should you date in high school as a Christian, like that conversation was very prevalent within my youth ministry. No idea why, um, but well, I could I could give some guesses as to why. But uh, it was it was really interesting and. Basically, our youth pastor's stance was: Listen, if you're going to press me for a yes or no answer on sh- should youth students date in high school, my answer is going to be no, because ninety five percent of the time, it's not going to go well. It's it's going to be a negative. And so, if if we are, if you're going to force me to just give a blanket yes or no, then my answer is going to be no. And and I get it. It's a it's a tough place to put a youth pastor in, and there's a lot of ways that 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 can go poorly. Um but I don't remember a whole lot outside of that. But uh yeah, it was did, did you uh, it was interesting to him. Uh no. I <laughs> wish I had. Um I I dated uh several times in high school and uh it was never like I I wish my youth pastor had reminded me of what I often say to my students, which is when you are dating in high school, it will end in one of two ways, marriage or breaking up. Yeah, And you know, if, if it ends in marriage, you guys have plenty of time. So don't rush things. And if you, if it's going to end in breaking up, you don't want to hurt yourself. So don't rush things. And I think that, I think that's something that a lot of youth students probably need to hear about every other day, but uh, you know, it happens. Uh, but anyway, so we are gonna kind of pick our conversation back up on our purity culture uh, conversation, talking about okay, now what? Uh, you know, how do we correct
1: purity culture, Derek? Yeah, c- help help c- us out here, because really, I mean, the whole purpose of last episode was us basically saying purity culture is the worst, and here's Just why the worst. Yeah, like, like and, and not I, a friend of the show. No, not a friend of the show at all. And l- let's let's call this for what it is, like. We were sitting down to dinner. This is probably a month ago, shortly after this episode came out. And you and I are kind of like, man, that went well. And like, statistically, people are listening to it. And I think it was, was it your wife or mine? I probably both. I oh, don't yeah, know. Yeah, they're they, both really smart, way smarter than us combined. Um, you know, they they basically said like that was really good, but you know, I think it'd be good to have an episode of like, what do you do with that, right? Like, if, if we're if we're gonna slam purity culture then like, what's the solution to that? And that's really where a lot of this came from. And as I mentioned, I think in our, in our purity culture podcast last time, uh, my wife, Meg actually did her senior project, the culmination of all of her research and study in college on the inadequacies that the church offers in terms of purity and, and sex and relationships and how as I mentioned last time, she found the stats were staggering of how many people married people still struggled with sex because they felt like they were doing something wrong, even being married. And so, you know, really, I think the first solution, if we're going to slam purity culture, what do you do? Whether, and this goes out to whether you're a parent of a student, whether you're a youth pastor, whether you are a student who's listening uh, or whether you're just someone who knows Kyle or I or, neither of us but you just happen to stumble upon this there's some nuggets of ev- of something in here for for every single person.
0: Yeah, and you know I Derek mentioned the uh you know some of the statistics from our our listenership for our last episode and I, I it's worth mentioning too you know our our most listened to episode of all time was the very first one we released and number 2 on the list is our second episode. Like that's not a surprise. Right. Uh that's that's pretty typical. Yep. The next 3 on the list are completely out of order. It's episodes, episodes 22, 10, and 33. Uh, and I'm not going to make people go look up what they were because uh, that's ridiculous. Um, LGBTQ in youth ministry, love, sex, and relationships in youth ministry, and our rant against purity
1: culture. Hmm. Do
0: you see a theme here? I sure do. You know, This is something that people want to talk about because I think they are very frustrated with how most of the conversation goes. And and with most of the resources that they have,
1: well, and the, that that's a, let's jump right in, right? Because like our our solution to this is, I put in quotations, <coughs> normalizing sex in a healthy context. Like it it does not take you long at all to find sex somewhere embedded into every source of entertainment we take ourselves into right now. You can be on TikTok, you can be on Instagram, you can be watching a cartoon with your kids and an ad comes up, like sex is everywhere. And I think that to the point of, it's not just that people want to know what the church's response is. I think in general, sexuality is a topic that is prevalent and real to every single person living right now in some form or degree. And so... What is the solution? If you are a parent who is trying to figure out, how do I approach this with my kid? If you're a student and you're going, I have all these feelings, I don't know what to do with them. If you're a youth pastor going, how do I shepherd and do all this type of stuff? I think we need to get to a a place and it's going to make you uncomfortable, but it shouldn't. And number one is normalizing sex in a healthy context. What I mean by that, don't make it a taboo subject that you just shy away from. Don't let it just become this thing that we're not going to talk about it because I'm not sure how to handle it. What you're doing when you do that by not talking about it, not bring it to the forefront of the conversation anyway, you're attaching shame and guilt and stigma to the concept of sex. And what's happening is we're not talking about it, which is instilling this idea of shame or guilt. And what happens with that is now as a person as a student as a as a youth whoever you are that guilt and that shame makes you feel like you need to be secret about it and so my wife who is incredibly beautiful and incredibly smart found in her research that further um, by having this shame and this guilt uh, that's attached to sex further discourages relapse and sexual sin uh, let me let me rephrase that. When you remove the shame and the guilt, it further discourages relapse and sexual sin. To put this a different way, if you are someone who doesn't talk about the fact with your kids that pornography is a thing, that masturbation's a thing, that sex is a thing, it's that shame and that guilt that happens. And what's, for, it, it, what's happening is whenever they do one of those things and it gets found out, because of the shame and the guilt, they're more likely to do that again. Whereas, if you were just upfront about it and real about it, um, you know, if you take that shame and that guilt away at the forefront, you're going to find better sex lives for those who were pulled because when that, ga- that shame and that guilt wasn't there and they don't think they're doing something wrong, they naturally have better sex. Who would have thought, right? Like, if you can talk about it, before people actually get married, it actually helps that put into a different perspective and different context for when they do. And so let's be honest. The world does not shy away from sex. In fact, it embraces it. The world outside of the church is naturally bringing sex into so many different areas that it wasn't before. And so the Christian world would do a very, very good thing to not shy away from it to not converse about it, to not bring it up and talk about it in a healthy context. Because this is what I tell my parents all the time. If you don't talk about sex with your students, they're going to find out about it by the kid at the back of the bus, the kid on their TikTok, the kid on their Instagram, who their version of sex is just sleeping around and doing stuff. So would you rather educate your son or your daughter in the way that you know sex really is or from the person who's got an agenda who's going to teach them things that they probably shouldn't be. I know which one I would want to choose. And so I think this is probably the pinnacle of this entire argument. We need to normalize sex in a healthy context. Emphasis on all those words. Did that rhyme? It actually did. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Normalizing healthy context. Those two things are incredibly important because while you want to normalize it and make it not this crazy, crazy thing of, oh, you said sex, because that's what happens. Like, I just did a a series with our students uh, a a few weeks ago, and I said sex, and the whole room, like, changed.
0: Oh, yeah. I've got one coming up here in a couple weeks that actually, by the time this episode drops, it will have been last night.
1: Yeah. So, like, we need to make it a normalized thing and talk about it as if... Like we have no problem talking about anger. We have no problem talking about drinking. We have no problem talking about all these things. And so we should just make sex this super hyper spiritual thing. And like, if you even think about sex, you feel dirty or not, because it's not. Like sex is a fantastic thing that is God ordained. And so we can't shy away from it. We can't hide it. We can't just attach shame and guilt to it because Nothing but bad comes from that. We need to be very upfront and open about it in a very good, healthy way.
0: Yeah, I love what you said that, you know, thinking about sex is not the problem. It's how you think about sex that becomes the problem. And that kind of ties into, you know, the next thing that I want to talk about here, which is, you know, if if we're going to correct purity culture... Some, some, one of the things that we really need to take a look at is, you know, straight from the mouth of Jesus, shocker, uh, placing ownership for lust on the luster and not the lusty, yep. which there's no way that that's a word, lusty, lusty. but it, it reminds me of, uh, I believe it's uh, Lightning McQueen's sponsor, Rusty's. Rusties. That's, that's yep. what it makes me think of. Well but, done. Uh, Matthew tw- 25 right? That's when Jesus says, like, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. He doesn't say if your right eye causes you to sin go throw a burlap sack on a teenage girl and call it good. Right. Uh that what? <laughs> well done. <laughs> that was that was really something. Uh at that yeah, anyways. Uh the the ownership for l- like Christ clearly clearly places the ownership for something like lust on the person doing the lusting not the object of their lust and And that's something when we talk about purity culture within church contexts, uh, that is really, really important. Um, Another one that I think is is really important is you know we need to seek discernment uh, as as youth pastors, but as as students as well, as parents, like everybody involved in this conversation. Uh, discernment is, is really, really key. One of the questions that, that I get asked all the time is, you know, how far is too far physically in a dating relationship and you know, the, the visual, and I may have shared this on the podcast before. I don't know. It's really good though. So we're going to talk about it again. One of the things that is, I, I love the visual of you think about a circle, uh, trapezoid pick any shape you want. I don't care. Uh, we'll go with the trapezoid because that's where we landed. Uh, if you, and then you place like a little dot in the middle of the trapezoid. Yep. And that dot is God. That, that's Jesus. And anything within the trapezoid is God's will. All right. and And students find themselves trying to figure out where is that line? Like, I don't want to cross the line. Where is the line? I need to figure out where the line is. And no matter where you... I'm going to go back to the circle because it fits the analogy a little better. Uh, No matter where you are in the circle, if you are focused on trying to find the line, your back is going to be to the dot in the middle. And and my point is, you know, when it comes to the physical side of relationships, and, and that's kind of primarily what I'm talking about when I say seek discernment, although that should apply to just about everything. If your focus is on God in the middle of the circle, then you're going to be walking toward that. You're going to be less concerned
1: with where that line is. I think what's a challenge we have, especially if you're a student in this place, if you're a human, honestly, you have very natural, very physical, very biological things that are happening in your body that are very, very real. You have hormones coursing through your body that make you naturally want to do certain things. And so this is the age-old discussion of flesh versus spirit, right? And it's almost like the church's response has been to shame and ridicule and just really destroy the flesh and just go all after the spirit. And like theologically, there's not necessarily anything inherently Wrong with that? I think that here's here's the difference, right? Like, God put those hormones inside of you. He put this natural desire for sex inside of us. And so, when the church says that's wrong, that's nasty. Just go after the spirit. While theologically that is correct, you're also destroying something that God put inside of you. And so, the discernment piece is trying to figure out that balance of going. This desire of mine is not bad. I want to go and do this. I want to be a part of this. And that's an okay, acceptable thing. But right now I got to figure out a different outlet. I got to yeah, find Yeah, learning
0: the context of when this is what God designed it to
1: be. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and so, you know, especially as a, I mean, I was there as a student. I think, you know, you, you naturally like pornography is a real thing that you get sucked into. And it, it, this is not just a moral issue. Um, pornography, you, you see a few basketball players and professional athletes who they're not doing it for spiritual reasons. They just see the, the addictive tendencies and the negative effects of pornography on your sexual life.
0: Yeah, I, I can't believe I'm about to say this on a youth ministry podcast, but... I'm excited. Ariana Grande, I believe has come under a lot of fire recently in the last few months for taking a pretty strong stance against pornography.
1: Yeah, right. And, She's under fire for taking a stand against it. Which is
0: mind-boggling. Yeah. Um. But another example, like you said, of, of even non... I, do, I guess I don't know what her spiritual life is like, but I'm going to go ahead out on a limb and say non-Christians recognizing... That this is
1: not good, right? Absolutely, and so that's just where is. you have to figure out as a student, as a parent. The easy thing is to just draw a line in the sand and just go, "This right. is a bad yeah. thing; you shouldn't do it." But it's that is where that guilt and that shame has originated for so long, and so the discernment piece is going. I need to, I need to be able to accept this as a good thing, but at the same yeah. time figure out how I can wait a little bit longer. And I think a big piece to this is forgiving failures. All right? Like, yeah,
0: those two kind of go hand in they, hand They there.
1: really do. Because I remember when I was, I think, man, 13, 14. Let's just be real. I've, I, I'm open with this with my youth students. My wife knows. Like Pornography was a consistent part of my life at that time of my life right like and every when when i started to realize oh this is not what god has for me i would go all right i'm i'm not going to do it anymore and then all of a sudden like you go a few days and you're feeling good and then you make a mistake right and you feel like the world's worst person and, and and that that guilt and that shame all of a sudden just like builds on top of you on top of you again and Shocker, but you feel more tempted to do it again. Right? Yeah, I'm I'm laughing
0: over here because I know exactly what you're talking it, about. <laughs> it's like a real thing,
1: right? And so, like, here is the reality: sin is sin. If you go about your day today and lash out in anger, if you're a parent, if you lash out in anger and do something, guess what? In the eyes of Jesus, that sin that you just committed is the same as your son or daughter doing something sexually. And that might blow your mind. You might go, yeah, well, well, there's different, um, natural consequences and you're right. But here's the reality. Sin is sin, no matter which way you cut it. And I believe it's Romans chapter three, verse 23, that says all have fallen short of the glory of God.
0: I think Romans three twenty-three is, oh no, that is. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say wages of sin is death, but that's, I Romans know it's six, in there. I,
1: I know it's in there. I know yep. we've all fallen short, but Sin is sin, and that is why Jesus went nope, to the cross. No, you were right. You win. Thank you. It happens every once in a while. Well, uh, We need to be able to forgive failures and forgive ourselves because we are not going to be perfect. And it's parents, let me talk to you for a second. How you handle discovering your students, your kids in sexual sin will radically, and I mean radically, impact how they live the rest of their lives. I have heard of someone close to me who struggled with this pornography issue as a young person. Mom and dad found out. Mom and dad just said, all right, computer's going away, phone's going away. We want you to think about what you've done. And I can tell you that this person, they have since been married. And they still struggle with sex as a dirty thing because they, in that moment, they didn't know that it was a terrible thing. It's a natural thing, actually, biologically and physically, that type of exploration is a common thing in the development of a child. And so while I'm not saying that we should just let them have their way, like how you approach that, if you just come down and bring the hammer down without telling them why this is a thing they're going to naturally attach that shame and that guilt that's going to mess them up forever. So we need to be able to forgive just as he forgave ourselves and the ones that we love.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, another thing, and this was, you know, a lot of what we're talking about on this uh, podcast episode is applicable to youth pastors youth leaders parents students across the board this next one is something that is for sure geared toward youth pastors uh, I can see some application for parents as well but this one's primarily for youth pastors uh, when it comes to purity culture and and modesty uh, you, having a dress code for your youth ministry is tip or in like some of the events that you do is typically something that is necessary. Uh, If you're going to do that, come up with a dress code that makes sense Uh, that something that is a little bit more objective and less subjective. Uh, You know, I, I love to use the example of, you know, many youth ministries will set the dress code for, for example, like short or skirt length for their girls Uh, and, and we fully acknowledge that we are two male youth pastors talking about this subject, but uh, we did talk to our wives about this very heavily. And, and this is something that my wife and I have spent a lot of time thinking about trying to come up with over the last few years. A lot of youth ministries will say like, you know, your skirt or your shorts have to go down past your fingertips. Uh, you know, that's, that's kind of, you put your fingers down on your, on your leg Uh, When you're standing up straight, straight elbow, as long as your shorts or your skirt comes past your fingertips, you're good to go. Uh, Some other youth ministries will say like they have, it has to come down to your knee uh, or whatever it is. All super subjective. This is going to come to us as a shock, but like God actually made everybody differently. And um, you get somebody with really long arms or you get somebody with really long Uh, is it femurs is, is from your hip Mm -hmm. to your knee. Thank you. Uh, I actually don't think I ever took an anatomy class ever. I don't know how, but, uh, nailed that one. You know, you got really long femurs or really long arms, uh, or, or whatever. Like that rule is going to look different on everybody, which can become kind of an issue. And so one of the things that, and, and this is something for you to talk about with, with your ministry, you know, figure it out in your context, but something that we came up with that has worked pretty well for us over the last couple of years is we just say, guys, girls, doesn't matter. Five inch inseam, you know, that is the requirement. Uh, and it's, it's super objective. Nobody can argue that my shorts don't have a, or do whatever, a five inch inseam, like take out a ruler or a tape measure and measure it if you want. Like it either is, or it isn't. Uh, and, and you know, for skirts, like it's, it's the same spot on your leg yep. that, that you, that you're aiming for. And so that's, that's been something that we've been able to say, uh, you know, we've had so much less conflict and so much less controversy around this subject since we came up with something like that. And and I think it's really helped. The other one that typically follows with with youth ministries is bathing suits. Um, I don't think anybody's going to argue that guys should not be in speedos. Uh, I think you'll get a hundred percent positive feedback on yeah. that one. Right. Uh, you know, for girls, the the conversation becomes a lot more tricky. Uh, and you know, to share again where we have landed as a youth ministry is. Uh, again, body types can vary greatly. Uh, and like I've seen some unit ministries say it has to be a one piece. I have seen plenty of one pieces that reveal far more than two pieces. And so, you know, we basically said like a one piece or, uh, a, you know, like a tankini where like it'll come down, you know, uh, something comes down toward the bottom, uh, yeah, but the other thing that we kind of just say is, "Hey, get with, like, connect with one of your same gendered leaders if you have a question." Correct. Uh, and and we let our female leaders kind of carry the baton from there because oftentimes, not oftentimes, one hundred percent of the time, I don't want to have that conversation.
1: Oh, absolutely, and I think it's very. Why is this a thing, right? I think, yeah. like, like, like why why is this the way that it is and why we're making this point? One, it kind of goes back to the whole thing. You, the reason why this rule started in the first place was so the boys won't stumble and so they won't make mistakes. Right. Which, which to be fair, is a thing, right? But, in the, but here's, here's my issue with this whole dress code deal and why what you just said was fantastic. Because all of a sudden now we're telling girls that it's their problem that you need to cover up because otherwise the boys might make mistakes. Right. It's the burlap sack. M- meanwhile, you're attaching shame and guilt on them for just having the body that they have. Yep. And that's a problem. And so, you know, that objective piece is so, so important because like they shouldn't be feeling guilt and shame at a church function. They shouldn't be flaunting and, and doing things that, you know, whatever you, you know, you'd think It, it, it it's, it's a balance a hundred percent. Right. But like, Again, I think the whole pattern of today is just minimizing and managing the subconscious guilt and shame that's been attached to all yeah. things in this case. But um, uh, on a little more, I mean, less practical, but you know, a little more theological uh, stance, seek sanctification over perfection, number six oh boy, could this be a long-term thing for more <laughs> than just love, sex, and dating. But like- That's true. Ultimately, we cannot be perfect. Um, I, I, We laughed a little earlier, but like when you are trying to live in such a way, you are going to have setbacks. You're going to say, I'm not going to do this anymore. And then it happens. And it can yep. make you feel so paralyzed and so crippled. But like- we need to take that expectation of perfection off of us because we can't be. If we could be perfect, Jesus wouldn't be necessary. If we could be perfect, then we won't have that need for a savior. And so instead of trying to be perfect, instead of trying to just completely negate and do everything exactly right, we need to try and make our goal to move closer and closer to Christ, right? Like, this is already baking in the fact that you're going to miss the mark. You're going to make mistakes. But if the desire is, okay, I took one step back, but I'm 10 steps farther than I was two months ago, that's growth, right? Like we are, if, if you are, you know, 20 steps away from being completely out of the woods, you might take five forward and two back, but then you'll take another four forward and one back, And you're now farther along than you were before. And so we need to always keep that perspective in mind that we're the whole goal is to get closer to Jesus knowing full well that we're going to make mistakes and that's all right. Like it's all about progress.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, and kind of going along with that as well, uh, find accountability. Uh, You know, whenever some, you know, something does happen where, ah, shoot, like I, I missed the mark on this one. uh, That's Okay. But but find that accountability where, uh, you know, you can, you know, find somebody that you can talk to that can help you when, when you're tempted or somebody that can empathize uh, in just the struggle. Uh, having like high school guys, if you have like a group of, of high school guys, you know, you're all walking through the same thing. Yeah. High school girls, you're all walking through the same thing. And so to have that group of students that you can have accountability with, and then also including somebody in that equation who's farther along the road. Oh yes, you know, I, for some, sure. somebody that can say like, yeah, I've been there, I've done that. Uh, you know, here's my advice. Here's what worked for me. You know, when when you have somebody that can help you get you back up and continue on the path that God has for you, uh, that's that's so, so helpful. Instead of, I, I, I struggled, I fell down, and I'm just going to keep kicking myself while I'm down. And, and it's going to take me forever to, to get up. I think without that accountability piece, you get the opposite of what Derek was talking about. You know, instead of four steps forward, one step back, three steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back. Instead, without accountability, it's four steps back, one
1: step forward, three yeah, steps back, right.
0: one step forward. And, and you're going in the wrong direction.
1: Yeah. And it's also one of those things where, like, if you're trying to not do something, it's a lot harder to not do something when you are just bored and you're just thinking about right. mm, yeah Yeah. I could go and do this. Whereas like when you oh, have Oh, look, somebody, I'm home alone. Yeah, right. Whereas like when you have someone who is there to help you, like, hey, what are you doing right now? Oh, nothing. You want to grab a burger? Sure. You want to play some Xbox? Sure. You know what I mean? Like there, there's one of these things where it's like, it doesn't just help you when you're down. It also helps you to not do something, you know, you probably don't want to be doing. You're right. It's preventative. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 100%. I, uh, I once told a youth student, uh, cause he, so, so I had a youth student that we were having a conversation. He had come to me because, you know, uh, pornography was something he was really struggling with. And he, just the way that his day was struggled and his parents schedules, like typically after school for dinner, he was home alone. And, you know, he identified very easily that this was a problem and and so one of the things i told him was listen i i have to imagine it is really really hard to masturbate while you're talking on the phone to somebody especially somebody who's a christian yeah like real difficult yeah and, and so that was my like have somebody or a couple people that you can call and, and they pick up the phone and you guys can have like keywords or phrases or codes or whatever, where, where you just say, Hey, listen, I, you know, I, I, I want a bagel right now. You know, that's your code word. And the other person knows like, Hey, I, I just need to be on the line with this person yep. and and we're just going to talk about literally anything like, Oh, weather has been really great today. Or let's talk about sports or whatever yep. you want to talk about, right. uh, you know that that preventative piece of accountability can be important
1: as well. This is not in the the list. Because I don't know how we missed this one, but I'm I'm <laughs> gonna throw this in here. If you're dating somebody, right? Part of accountability is you don't necessarily have to tell your accountability what this is, but like boundaries are a really good thing. Like are a really good thing. Um yep. you know, like it's it's one of those things. Nothing good happens after midnight when you're home alone with your boyfriend or girlfriend. And so like there should be like some accountability in terms of even if you're dating somebody, if you are two people who want, this is not just do you want to do what's right. Let's be honest. If you want to have really good sex with that person that you might marry, or if if it's not that person with the person that you do marry, what you do prior to that wedding day can impact a lot of things. And so both both alone and with somebody else. Right. So having that accountability, like, all right, what are our boundaries? Like it goes back to the whole line thing, not in terms of just like how far can we go, but like, where do we not want to go past? Yeah. Because if you establish that, it's a lot easier to say when you're in a room with your parents saying, Hey, I don't want to do more than this. It's a lot easier to say that when there are temptations out there versus when you have the freedom and availability to go a whole lot farther than you want to go. If you know that boundary is there ahead of time, it's a lot easier to bump up to it and go, "Okay, we got to pull back." Than if that boundary is not there in the first place. Yep. So, like that. That's that. That just accountability made me think of that. But um, number eight, and we're getting we're we're flying through this sucker right here. Um, Number eight. Evaluate your intake of information. This is not just for you students. This is for every single person anywhere. What is influencing the way you view sex? Because as a person who's been married and engaged in said activity, what happens in the movies and TV shows is... Does not quite depict reality in terms of what I thought it would, not, right? Not even close. No, like th- this, this is the whole problem with pornography is it puts a unrealistic, unfeasible expectation of what sex is really like.
0: Yeah, I don't know if uh, any of our listeners have ever, like, you ever watch a movie and think, wow, that was awesome. And then you go and like try to make it, like go back and watch some of your home movies or like, you know, like go try to act and it looks awful compared to the Avengers.
1: Yeah, same thing. Right, absolutely. And it's, you know, I was actually listening to a podcast about this topic and they were just talking about the some of the statistics are like people who were really, really caught up into pornography and, and, and that type of intake Never had a long-term relationship because when it got to that point,
0: mm, yeah. the
1: expectations didn't meet what they thought they would, and so they sabotage a the relationship. Mm-hmm. It just it's crazy. And so we need to evaluate what is, your, what is influencing the way you view sex? Is it what TikTok is telling you? Is it what your social media is telling you? Is it what your parents are telling you? Because here's another thing, students, you might have parents that don't see anything wrong with all the stuff we've just talked about to this point. And you're going, okay, so I have what pastor Kyle and pastor Derek are saying or what the Bible says. And then the authoritative voice in my life telling me two different things, which is the right one. And so it's not just a matter of going, what am I watching and entertaining myself with It's What in my life? And this can even be a bad thing, right? Like, like, my, my wife at, at one point was telling me that like sex was such a shame-filled thing for so long that it carried over while we were dating, engaged, and everything because that is what the primary voice of influence on her life was about sex, was what her mom had conveyed. And we've since talked about it and, and rectified it and all that good stuff. But ultimately, you need to find good quality sources that are going to give you real information about reality in terms of sex and eliminate the bad sources. Because if not, you're going to find yourself in messy situations, unfulfilled, unsatisfied, and it's going to be one big nasty mess. For sure, for sure. Uh, number nine, almost almost through our list. Uh, number
0: nine is, uh, this one might be specifically, nah, uh, nah, we'll dive into that in a little bit uh, devalue your relationship with God over your desire for a spouse. And and this is one that, uh, you know, is, is a little bit more specific. Uh, but one of the things that I see in youth students sometimes is, you know, you, you get ahead of your, your exactly that, like your desire to, to find a boyfriend or a girlfriend, uh, gets ahead of, you know, your priority for God. And, either your standards start to lower uh, or your, they just leave altogether. Right. Uh, or your, and or your relationship with God suffers. And, you know, I see something really familiar in First Timothy chapter 5. Uh, and, and it's interesting because Paul is specifically speaking, it's a very practical, very, very practical chapter about how to care for widows which doesn't sound like youth ministry at all. But one of the things that he says is, uh, you know, younger widows in the community he was talking to, uh, they were so consumed with wanting to remarry that they were losing their, they, they were losing their faith. They were, they were, you know, so focused on, I got to go find a new husband because my first husband passed away that their their faith was on the back burner. And I think that we see that a lot of times with youth students where relationships are so glorified. And I do honestly believe that this is part of purity culture. Relationships are so glorified that if you are not in a relationship, something is wrong with you and you need to be in a relationship and even after you leave high school you know relationships if you if you are not in one and maybe you haven't been in one it's such this magical thing that it it the importance gets pumped up so much that it's never going to be realistic and if you keep your relationship with god as the number one most important thing in your life you know like like we've been saying this entire episode you know we don't want to discount how who God made us to be and how he made us however those things need to have their place they they absolutely do and our desire for a spouse anybody's desire for a spouse that that relationship cannot get ahead of our relationship with God
1: and why is that is like, I think that I think a lot of people think it's because God just wants to have this reign in our life and he just wants to have this power but the the reason this is the desire for God is that God desires what's best for us. You know what I'm saying? Like God doesn't want you to be in a relationship that is not fruitful, that is not helpful, that is not good for your life. Like imagine God saying I want you to be married to this person who's miserable and just the worst. Like that's, that's, just, that's just not in his character. Right. And so I think for so long it, this this misconception is that God just God just doesn't like us. So that's why He's making us do this. And it's like, no, like God wants you to save yourself. Why? Because He wants you to have really great relations with your spouse. He wants you to have really, really good, helpful, fruitful, satisfying lives. And so, do you know what doesn't do that? Having a bunch of different baggage and things that it can be messy and hard. Like I think a lot of the the, the whole debate with pornography is it doesn't hurt anybody. It doesn't it just it doesn't affect anybody right. else. Which is a complete myth because number 1, like that desire if you are ingrained in... I know we've been picking on pornography and I don't, didn't mean to this, for this to be a pornography episode, but it is what it is. If you are a consistent watcher of pornography when you're dating, you don't get married and get into a sexual relationship. And that just does, that doesn't just disappear. Right. That urge is still there. And so it might not hurt, quote unquote, hurt anybody else right now, but your future spouse is probably going to be insanely hurt by that. Oh, and by the way... If you're bored sometime, look at the link between human trafficking and pornography. Oh, yeah, that's... It's scary. That is not great. Human trafficking is, in, it, it is embedded inside of pornography use. Yep. And so that whole debate about hurting is, is not legitimate. And my, my whole point with this is that God desires what is best for his people. And that's why he wants you to wait. And that's why he wants you. It's not so he can lord it over you and make you just suffer and squirm. It's because he wants what is best for you.
0: Yeah. And that kind of goes into, you know, our last point here to kind of wrap up this episode is that, you know, it's, it's important to know why purity is important because purity itself is still something that is biblical. Uh, You know, our modern purity culture has not handled it well, but purity is still something that god wants for us and and part of it is because god does want what is best for us uh you know one of the other reasons that i think purity is really important is because you know purity is something to strive after not for our glory but for god's glory yeah you know it's it's not a form of legalism of of these rules we have to follow but it's it's a way to worship God as our creator, you know, God, I heard it explained, uh, you know, I mentioned a couple episodes ago, uh, this event that we do called secret church, uh, led by pastor David Platt out in Washington, DC. Uh, and, and one of the things that he said was that God is for your body. Yeah. You know, God is for your body and something like purity. It's important, not because we, we have, we want, you know, all the 613 laws in the old Testament, we want to bring those back. Like having to follow all those, that sounds fun. Right. Like that's not the point. No. The point is God knows what's best for us. And he knows that this looks good now, but it's bad long-term and he's got something else that is great. Right. Long-term. Yep. If, if we're
1: willing to pursue that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, I think while we just dropped a, a ton of stuff, I think ultimately the, the whole point is purity in itself is not the problem. It's how we go about it. And so parents, be real, be up front, be just talk about the real life aspects of sex for your teenagers because I guarantee they already have heard a lot about it. So don't shy away from it. Students, like seek what God has for you even when it's not easy. Because like it isn't always easy, but it's always worth it. If you've made a mistake, whether you are 12 years old, 22, 32, 42, 52, don't live in that shame. Don't live in that regret. God loves you. God cares for you. There is redemption and forgiveness and all that good stuff that goes with it. Don't live with it. And then ultimately youth pastors, like don't shy away from it either right? Like we are called to talk about, I think you and I, Kyle said a lot of things we haven't said from the pulpit in a long time in this hour of our podcast, but like, I think it would do us well to be this candid with our students, not necessarily from the pulpit, but maybe from the pulpit, you know, and getting, you know, the actual information to our students and not being afraid to shy away from it because it is one of the most talked about topics of sexuality, in our modern day age right now.
0: Yeah, I I absolutely agree. It's something that youth pastors in the church need to, there's a lot of things that the youth youth pastors in the church in general need to be willing to tackle head on. Um, But that does it for today's episode. We appreciate you guys uh, hanging out with us today. Hopefully uh, this part two was just as good as part one. Uh, But uh, we appreciate you guys. Couple episodes left uh, on season one. So tune in the next couple weeks for those. But on behalf of Derek, uh, I am going to go make a bunch of legalistic dating rules that our youth students have to follow. Goodbye. Goodbye.